Welcome to Marquette Missionary Church. Here is today's message. This week we are continuing in our series that we started last week, The Road of a Disciple. We spent last week looking at Matthew chapter 9, and we looked at four verses, and I want to remind us of these verses this morning here because um, these verses are leading right into Matthew 10, where we will be camping out on for the next few weeks here. Matthew 9, 35 through 38 says this. This is going to be up on the screen here. And it says, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We looked at last week how uh, Matthew here in in chapter 9 kind of gives us a summary of Jesus' ministry. Jesus went from village to village, town to town, proclaiming God's kingdom, healing diseases. And when Jesus looked out upon the world, when he looked out upon people, he realized that the human race are lost people. They are like a sheep without a shepherd. Well, then Jesus finishes this because then he turns to his disciples and he says this. He says, the harvest, this is in verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And last week, we talked about how us, the church, we are called to be his workers in the kingdom. Well, this week, chapter 10, and and I I recap these verses for us today because because these verses are leading us into chapter 10. And chapter 10 is going to be actually Jesus sending out his disciples. What does this look like? If we are following Jesus, if we are on this road of being a disciple of Christ, what does it look like? Well, in Matthew 10, as what we are going to be diving into today, we are going to be seeing that. But Matthew 9 is such such a beautiful backdrop because, because Jesus looks at his disciples and basically says, Listen, guys, the work of the kingdom is so great, there's not enough workers. We need more workers. Okay? So he says that to them, and he's preparing them because, like I said in 10... He's going to send them out. So if you have your Bibles with you today, for the next several weeks, we are going to be seeing how Jesus sends out his disciples. And I believe, church, that as we read these scripture verses, we are going to see the call of a disciple, not just back then, but I would say for us modern-day followers of Christ. Matthew 10 starts off with this. So this is 10.1, and it says, And he, Jesus, called to him his 12 disciples, and look at this here, and gave them authority, that's a key word, over unclean spirits, to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. Now, I want you just to kind of take a moment and just kind of think about this here. So Jesus had been walking with his disciples 
for several years now. He's been walking with them. Uh, I shouldn't say several years, maybe like a year or so here. He's been walking with them. They have been seeing Jesus perform miracle after miracle after miracle. They had seen Jesus cast out demons. They have have seen Jesus feed 5,000 people. They had seen Jesus walk and live in God's kingdom. And now, all of a sudden, Jesus says, listen, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Pray that God would send out workers. And then Jesus looks at his 12, and he says, I'm going to send you guys out. Not only am I going to send you guys out, but I'm going to give you authority over the unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. I can see these guys, especially the fishermen, sitting there thinking, okay, 12 months ago, I was working on a boat. 12 months ago, Matthew was collecting taxes. 12 months ago, these guys were just living a completely different life. And now after a year of following Jesus, they're now getting called, getting told, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to call you to do the ministry that I'm doing. I mean, just just kind of like think about this here at what they would have been thinking and feeling like, like, Jesus, we've seen you do this work. We've seen you heal people. We've seen you cast out spirits. You're telling, you're telling me, I like, I'm going to do it? I mean, like, this is like a real shift within the ministry, within Matthew chapter 10 here. Well, in, in verses 2 through 4, we get the list of the disciples. So if you don't know the list of the disciples, we're going to read it off for you here today. In verse 2, it says, The name of the twelve, uh, sorry, not disciples, he changed his words here. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Now, looking at these, these, uh, this list here, every, every gospel lists off the 12 disciples. And I just want to just point out a couple of things here. It is interesting. Every time the gospel lists the disciples, Peter is first. That's just, it's just a reference note here. Peter is always listed first. Scholars have debated for centuries, what was the point of this? Was Peter the first, you know, like, you know, like, is he the greatest disciple or, but it, it is interesting. Peter's always first and Judas is always last. They always list Judas last year. But what is so amazing about this list here is that Judas is still called to do the work of the ministry at this point. It's interesting that, that Jesus knows who's going to betray him. Jesus knows what Judas will do in the future. But in this time and in this hour, Judas is part of the 12 that are going to go out and do kingdom work. And I just, I just find that interesting that the Lord in his grace and mercy and love will still send out Judas right now. It's, it's just, we could spend a whole Sunday looking at Judas's life and how Jesus treats Judas and talks to Judas. Man, there is nothing but grace and nothing but love towards Judas all the way to the very end. Judas is still included the entire time. And Jesus fully knows he's going to be 
betray me. I'm going to go to the cross. I know that it, that it is part of God's plan, but Judas is going to be selling me out for 30 pieces of silver one day. But anyways, I just, I just point that out there because I find that to be interesting here. Well, in the next few verses, these verses, verses 5 and 6, um, it says this. It says, these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them. So now we're going to start to get into the instructing side. And it says, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, I realize I'm kind of going verse by verse here today. But these verses, a lot of people ask this question. Okay, so Jesus is sending out 12. He's sending them out to go do kingdom work. Why did Jesus say to only go here? You know, like, like just some people ask this question. Like, why, why is Jesus so specific on where to go? Like, I thought God loves everyone. I thought God just wants everyone to come to know him. Why aren't his disciples sent everywhere at this point? Well, there is a lot of um, Old Testament history. But, but basically, we need to understand something for us modern-day people, Christians, followers of God. Jesus was sent first to Israel, to the Jewish people. God's first people, the first chosen people, were the Jewish people. Now, for us today, we're like, okay, well, what does that even mean? It just, it just helps us to understand why Jesus would tell them to go to these people first. Because when Jesus first came, he first came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They were God's chosen people, and Jesus was sent there first and foremost. And actually, in the book of, of Romans, Paul actually mentions this twice. He says, listen, to the Jews first... And then to the Gentiles. Basically, to the Jewish people first, and then to the rest of the world. And now, God is going to send them out to the rest of the world eventually here, but that's not going to take place until after the death and resurrection. If you guys remember last year as we were going through the book of Acts here, Jesus says, listen, I'm going to send you out to Jerusalem, then to Judea, and then to Samaria, and then to the ends of of the earth. But I just point that out here because sometimes when you are reading scripture, that question comes up like, well, why would he just send them just just simply there first? Well, the reason is is because there's a whole bunch of whole bunch of like history there, but just remember the Israelites, the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, they were God's first. Those were his first chosen people. Well, we're going to continue on here and now we're going to look at what does this mission look like? If Jesus is sending out the 12 disciples, what does this look like? And we're going to read through this here, and then I'm going to point out a couple of things for us today. And this is what Jesus says to them here. So he's getting ready to send them out, and he says this. He says, And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse lepers. Cast out demons. You receive without pain, give without pain. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belt, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. In whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. And as you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. 
But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. In verse 14, and if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake the dust off the feet. Um, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Now, there is a lot going on here, and I would love to take this verse by verse today because we see so much information and so much thrown at the disciples there, and there's so much that we could be learning from this here. But we see Jesus, he wants his disciples to carry out God's kingdom right now. He's saying, listen, I want you to go forth, and I want you to bring my kingdom out to the people. I want you to proclaim it. I want you to bring healing. I want you to cast out demons. I want you to travel light. I don't want you going out. This is not a mission to get wealthy. This is a mission to bring my kingdom. I don't want you to worry about money. Don't worry about food. Don't worry about the outcome. I want you just to go. Now, like I said, we could spend a lot of time on this, but there's a couple of things that I really want to focus on this morning. These are some of the like highlights from what we see within this scripture here. The two things are that we glean from the scripture verse is God desires, number one, God desires his disciples to be a part of kingdom activity. Like I said, Jesus had been doing all of this ministry, and now Jesus is looking to the 12 and saying, I want you to be a part of what God is doing. And this is huge for us to understand today here, church. The disciples of Jesus... God desires for you, a disciple, to be a part of his kingdom activity. And Jesus makes that very, very clear here. I'm sending you guys out to be a part of that. But the second part to that that we are going to be talking about today, our job is not to worry about the outcome of God's work. So I want to dive into that first part. God desires his disciples to be a part of kingdom activity. Have you ever actually thought about this, church? And I know I just said it, but have you ever actually thought about this? That if you are a follower of Christ, if you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you believe Jesus came, died on the cross, and rose again, that you're a part of his work. That he desires for you to be a part of his kingdom activity. And I think that this is huge for us to understand that, that, that we are called to walk this road, the same road Jesus walked. And the one thing that kind of, another question that kind of comes out is that here we see Jesus give the disciples authority. And a question that comes to my mind is, do modern day disciples of Jesus have the same authority that he gave them? You know, Jesus calls his 12, and says, listen, I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you authority to heal. I'm going to give you authority to cast out demons. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you this authority here. And as we think about it in 2020, do we have that same authority? Does Jesus, who called them back then, who when he calls us today, do we have that same authority that he gave his disciples? And, and this is, this is, kind of weird because this is somewhat of a controversial question. And I've, I, I've always found this weird that this is like controversial because, um, and it's controversial in the sense of 
is God still at work in the same way as the disciples back then as we are today? And there, there are many, many churches out there that, that tend to believe that, okay, Jesus called the 12 and Jesus worked miracles among them and they brought healing and they cast out demons and they proclaimed the gospel. But some, some people believe that that stopped, that that was only for a season, that was only for a time within history that at some point in time things changed and God no longer operates that way. And I'm, I'm it's controversial, but church, I'm telling you, I can't find biblical evidence to support that theory. I understand some of the scripture verses they kind of pull from, they pull from Corinthians, and, and we could talk about this after, after church one-on-one, -on -one, and we could do a whole study on this, but as I read scripture, I see Jesus wanting his disciples to be a part of kingdom work. He desires for them to play a role in what God has for this world. That God's not done. And, and not only so, but do we not realize that as a believer today, we have his Holy Spirit living within us? His Holy Spirit comes and dwells when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He doesn't just dwell among you. He dwells in you, Scripture teaches and the same spirit that is within us was operating back then. So when Jesus calls the disciples to go out and bring healing, I, I, I think it's true for us today. God, God is calling us to be a part of his kingdom work. And his kingdom work laid out here is to bring healing, to be casting out demons. And I just, I just see too, too often too many Christians saying, well, I don't know if God wants me to be a part of that. I'm not sure if that's for me, Pastor. I mean, you know, we read about it, but is that really? And the answer is overwhelmingly yes. God desires for you and for me to be active in kingdom work. And I, 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 I would even argue to be bringing healing, to be casting out demons. I mean, like, like, like the same work has not ended. The world still needs healing. Now, now, I would say a couple of things here that, that maybe have, I don't want to say hindered American Christians or Western Christians, but we, especially in that area of just healing, we live in one of the greatest medical systems the world has ever seen. This is like not even like arguable. If you live here in America, in the last 50 years alone, we've had more medical advancements than like multiply every other century before us here. We live in a culture and in a place to where there's so much healing going on and it's almost like, I'm not, I'm not trying to like downplay that, but it can sometimes affect us and think, well, you know, healing only happens with the professionals. You know, healing happens at the hospital. And it's like, guys, as we read scripture, Jesus desires to work through his church, to work through his disciples to bring healing to this world. And I would say to bring physical healing. But one area within healing that I think Christians can play a major, major role in today is emotional healing. And I'm not trying to give, give this talk about, you know, emotionally where are just us Americans are just at today. But as I look around, I can see God do some of his best work emotionally within people's lives. And I've seen this play out time and time again. Somebody who is emotionally struggling within life and they encounter the living God and they start to bring healing 
to their heart and to their soul and to their mind. But I share this with you today, church, because, because we need to understand that God desires to work through us. That we need to first believe this. We need to actually believe that as a disciple of Jesus, he has given you authority, but he has given you authority to carry out his kingdom. And you will be placed within situations, I guarantee you, where they're going to ask you to pray, and we have to believe that God desires to work. Like, when you go to pray for healing church, do you actually believe it could happen? And I'm not just saying, well, God, could you possibly maybe heal? But when you go into prayer and say, God, I believe that you desire to work. I believe that your kingdom's going to come here right now. And we're calling upon your name to come and to meet us. And Lord, we have faith that you're going to be working. And I just see too often a lot of people are doubting this area. And I just want to encourage us today, church, believe that God desires to work. Believe that God desires to be working miracles within your life and within this world around us. Don't let the world's influence affect our faith in this area. And I, I do realize that there are many things that have kind of factored this, especially when it comes to this healing um, there has been a, a bad rap within Christianity when it comes to physical healing um, in the last 20 to 30 years. If you, you know, there are like, you know, TV preachers and there are people on TV where maybe some of you have watched them or seen them. And we see all this weird stuff going on, right? You know, like people are falling over and people are bouncing like off of the walls. And I'm not here to judge that, but it does kind of bring a stain and kind of, kind of distorts what God could be doing. Does anyone relate to that where you're like, yeah, we've seen some, some crazy stuff on TV and we're not sure if that is God. And that's not our job to be judging that. What I'm saying is though, is that it can affect our own faith. Like say like healing only comes if you're falling over and like, you know, getting, you know, God, God works in so many different ways. And I just want to be encouraging us in that here. But the second thing that is pointed out here. And, and I, I had a scripture verse on this. And you know what? I'm going to like share it. Th this is James 1. This is, this is talking about us having faith in God working. James 1, uh, verses 6 through 8. He says this. This is James talking. He says this. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will re receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. James just encourages us, when we go to God, we need to have faith. We need to really believe God is going to work. God's going to be moving here. And um, so I just share that with you. God desires to be working within our, our lives and within his kingdom around us. And I think, church, we have to have that settled in our hearts and in our minds. When we go to God, God, we believe that you're going to move. We believe that you're going to work. The second thing is here, and um, we kind of touched on this here, our job is not to worry about the outcome. So, so Jesus is sending out his apostles, disciples here, and the last couple of verses, verses 14 and 15, I want to just kind of touch on this here as well. He says, and if anyone... This is verse 14. And if anyone will not receive you, 
or listen to your words. Shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable in the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Now, this verse is, is such an encouragement. So, has anyone here ever gone out to try to share the gospel, maybe with a friend or maybe a coworker, and you're trying to have a conversation about God, and you actually get to the point of being able to share who God is and what Jesus has done for you, and then they reject it. You know, where they're like, I don't want that. I don't want any part of what you just said to me. I don't want any part of God's church. I don't want to be a part of anything that you just said. Now, now this, this scripture verse is such an encouraging message to us here because our job as believers is not to worry about the outcome. I think this is a real struggle within a lot of people's lives. That like, okay, I bring this gospel message. I share Christ with my roommate with my friends, I talk about Jesus, and they reject it. And it's, if we're really honest, and, and if you've ever been rejected because of sharing the gospel, it's kind of devastating, you know, to be honest with you. I've, I've shared the gospel, and they were like, dude, I don't believe in any of this, and I think that you're actually kind of crazy, and I think uh, the church you go to is kind of a cult, and um, everything about you I don't believe in. And it's a little bit heart-wrenching. But Jesus gives us some really encouraging words here. And I realize these words seem difficult. But Jesus basically says, move on. Like, like, have you ever thought about that? Like, okay, I've presented this gospel, and you love them, and you care for them. They've rejected it. And Jesus says, just shake the dust off, and just keep moving. And it sounds kind of crass, and it sounds kind of like, well, this doesn't seem very loving. You know, like, well, doesn't God want me to pursue them? Doesn't God want me to go after them? I would argue God's already pursuing them. But what I see happens often is that when we get so hung up, like, oh, man, I really got to bring the gospel to this one person. Like, say, like, my roommate, I'm just going to bring it. Okay, they rejected it week one. I'm just going to, week two. And sometimes God calls us to be persistent in bringing the gospel to one person. But I would also argue is that sometimes we can get so hung up on just one person that we're missing opportunities along the way. That it's like, you know, God, I really just care about this person. And there's five other people that God brought into your life that were called to hear the gospel message, maybe even possibly that day. And we, we missed it. And church, I would encourage you, as you bring God's kingdom to this world, it's not your job and it's not my job to worry about the results. You know, our job is to be loving, to be caring, to be, to be God's hands and feet. But the results of God's work is not up to us. We, we can't worry about, well, is this really going to work? God is at work, and one thing that we need to always realize, God cares more about the person than you do. When you're bringing the gospel to someone, giving, giving them this life-changing message, you may love them, they may be a close family member, the God of heaven and earth cares about them way more than we do. Let him be in charge of the results. It's not our job. We can't get so hung up on it. And yes, it is heartbreaking. Guys, I've got family members 
got very close family members that I've shared the gospel with, that I've tried to love them, I've tried to care for them, I have tried to be Jesus' hands and feet to them, and they have still rejected the gospel. And it's hard, and it's heartbreaking, because we love them so much, and we want to, to see them come into the kingdom. But I would encourage you and challenge you, let God deal with that and keep moving forward. Keep looking for another opportunity to bring the kingdom message. Maybe it might be somebody that you just bump into on the streets. It might be a new friend, a new coworker. We can't just get hung up and just think, well, I tried it once, God. It didn't work. Keep, keep getting out there. And that's what Jesus is encouraging his disciples with here. If you share it, they don't receive it. Don't worry. Jesus says, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of them. It, but it's our job to keep moving forward, to keep bringing this gospel message. So church, I, re I really want to be challenging you with that. As we walk this road as a disciple, a couple of things out of Matthew 10. God desires to work through you. God has given you the authority. His Holy Spirit lives within you. He desires to use you in kingdom activity. And as you do that, don't worry about the results, church. It's not our job. Our job is to keep moving forward, keep bringing the kingdom message to this world around us. And we, we kind of hit on this last week, but we also know, guys, there's, how many people do you know that don't know Jesus? Right, there's like, I mean, each one of us could probably list like 20 people, right? So if one of them shoots you down here and they're like, no, nah, I don't, I, find someone else and just keep bringing the gospel message. And the amazing part is, church, that is what the disciples did in the book of Acts. They just, they just kept just moving forward. God, okay, not here, I'll go here. Not there, I'll go here. And they just, and, and it's not unloving, but it's, it's, it's just the kingdom moving forward here. I'm going to ask for you to uh, stand in, in our church, uh, our worship team sang our very first song, Garrett. I want us to sing that song. There is power in the name of, of Jesus this morning. So I'm going to ask for you to stand. I'm going to, I'm going to invite the worship team forward. And uh, I'd like to pray for us as we um, uh, finish the sermon and the, and the service today in worship. And then after worship, we're going to come back up and pray over offering and trust, trust uh, the Lord to continue to be working here. But uh, um, let us pray now. Father God, as we look to your word this morning, Father, we see you calling your disciples to be a part of your kingdom work. I pray, Lord, that we would be men and women that will trust and believe that you desire us to be a part of that same kingdom work. Father, you love us. And you lead us. And I pray, Lord, that as we go forth this week, that we will bring your kingdom to the world around us. And Lord, that we would trust you in every situation whatever you have called us to. Father, I thank you now, and, and as we worship you, may you come and may you minister to our hearts and minds right now. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.